No. 
about this, huh? Are you fired up? It's Christmas. Socks. Oh, yeah. Pardon me, my phone. It's a brand new. There I am. Friends, welcome to First Presbyterian Church. What a great time to be together. Christmas is so awesome. And we're going to remember this morning that Christmas is about connecting, choosing to follow Jesus Christ with all the other things that go on in the season. That's what we're about in here this morning. We are aimed at the almighty God of the universe and celebrating the rescue that is the birth of the Messiah. We believe that what happens is we have real relationships with God and with each other, and what results is real transformation. That's what we're about at First Presbyterian Church. So let's have parties, and let's give presents, and let's dress up, and let's wear silly socks. But mostly, let's connect, choose, right now today, to attach ourselves to Jesus, the Messiah. Real relationships also means that if there's any empty seat here, I'm going to invite you right now, real relationships scoot to the wall because there are people standing in the back and I want to try. So we had a little huddle just a minute ago. If there are some seats, if you don't mind, he's kind of shy and retiring. (laughs) If you don't mind scooching, so thank you. When we are together, thank you folks for scooching. There are ushers who are going to help people find a seat. It's a great problem to have. I'll remind you that we know you want us to make room for your friends. And early next year, we're going to figure out how to do this by doing Sunday morning twice. So that's coming, but we're not quite ready for it yet. When we're together, we always pray. And there's such poignant, terrible stuff that we need to pray about. And I'm going to do that for you. Because I know some of us in this community have broken hearts about the deaths of the two teenagers. That's here on my list of things to pray for, along with other things that we pray for regularly. In real, real relationships where we deeply care about each other and God, our lives change. And let me pray as a way of emphasizing that commitment that we have as a church family. Please pray with me. Gracious God, here on the stage... Next to me are ribbons representing Jackie Faircloth, and we will never stop praying for her. Give her a sense of comfort and peace. Gracious God, we've been praying for a healing that her mind and her body would somehow, her brain and her muscles would reconnect, and that just hasn't been happening. But she knows that we love her, and she knows that she's loved by you and by her family and by the friends. So continue to encourage her and her family, her mom and her dad, her brother. Gracious God, we pray for three men in our family who are battling a, a kind of blood cancer, the leukemia. We pray for Hank, and we pray for Jamie, and we pray for Jerry as they continue down their path. We also pray for Jim Canale, who's living between scans and is cancer-free, and we pray for him as he continues also with these four to con- go through that. We, uh, we stop now. We think about 17-year-old Ben Francis, and we think about 15-year-old Taylor Kalouris. Gracious God, a week ago Friday in the motorcycle accident. Yesterday, Ben's service, tomorrow, Taylor's. Just the the devastation in these families and in the people who love the families. And there's just nothing we can say other than we want to be people who find a way to keep hanging on to you. And then we really want to be people who surround these families so that they would know that they're loved. There's just no easy way through this, gracious God, but we're not going to quit remembering and doing and caring and loving. And there are people in this room right now whose hearts are profoundly broken because they're so close to the family. And then we feel each other's hearts. And so help us to be people who trust you even when the world looks like it's collapsing. Because we know that in the end, that all death, tragedy, accidents, we know those things are conquered in the resurrection. Gracious God, we pray for Sage Jones, a senior at Tampa Prep. He was a victim of a car accident, friends of teenagers who are part of this church, a victim of a criminal car accident, and he's recovering from surgery at Tampa General. We pray for Sage. And finally, gracious God, we pray that because of how we have come to know that we are loved by you, that that good news that relationship would penetrate our lives and that we would be people that treat other people in such a way that they feel loved. And that's what we want people to know, that people are loved and you are desperate, gracious God, to use us to help people know that you love them. That's who we want to be here in this room. That's what we want to be as people in this community. We pray all these things in the name of Jesus who lived and who died and who lived again for us. Amen.
morning. My name is McLean Murphy, and I'm excited to just tell you all about a couple things we have going on within the life of our church. The first is a couple projects for Serve Day that I wanted to highlight. In 68, if y'all aren't familiar with it, this is a beautiful ministry that cares for children who go the 68 hours over the weekend. They have been provided at school a breakfast and a lunch, and now they're going home, and they're going home to a family that might not be able to provide food for them. And that's where we get to step in. We get to step in and help provide food during those 68 hours. So on your seat, you will find a list. Y'all, I've got so many papers here. Okay. You got a list of food items that they need. And the main thing I wanted to tell y'all is these are little itty bitty kids carrying backpacks of food home. So make sure that it's small portions um, so that it's not too heavy for them. This is going to be items that we're going to collect now through Serve Day, which is January 9th. And the first student ministry room, when you walk in, beginning um, really this week, if you come during the week, you need to call Dina, our office manager, or on a Sunday, bring the items and we're going to store them in that room. And in that same idea, you're going to see the Matthew 25 Serve Day Project collection. We're also collecting those items for January 9th, and those items can be placed in that room as well. So you've got those two lists for you. And then on the back, we highlight Serve Day. So if you have ever served in a Serve Day that we've done before, would you raise your hand if you've ever participated in Serve Day? That's awesome. If you haven't, I hope this time next year your hand's in the air because... It is, y'all, it is so fun. Oh, there goes one of them. It is such a fun day. It is when we get to be the hands and feet of Jesus out in the community. Church, thank you, Walker. Church leaves the building, and we are church in the city of Tampa because that's what church is, right? We are the church. We are the body of Christ, and so we get to go out and help people um, all throughout the community. So you can sign up for a project that is unique to your heart and your passion on our website. And we would just, we can't wait to do it together and can't wait to serve with all of you. The next thing I wanted to tell you all about is our Christmas Eve service. That is this, yes, thank you. That is this Friday, of course, December 24th at 4 p.m. at Palmasia Golf and Country Club. We are going to pack it out there. You do not have to register. You just show up. Bring your friends. Bring your family. We have child care birth through pre-K 3. For that, you need to register on our website. We're going to invite pre-K 4 and older to sit in the service, and it's just going to be a beautiful worship service uh, celebrating the birth of Jesus, and we hope that y'all will join us. And then that next Sunday, a week from today, the 26th, we are not going to be having church because we will have just all been together for Christmas Eve. So we want you to have church with your family at home, worship as a family. We're going to have devotionals that we're emailing uh, that you can sit around together and talk about the birth of Jesus as a family or just as with friends, whoever. Uh, we want you to be able to do that at home. So that's the list I've got to run through, and I made it. Thank you. <laughs> This morning, we have the unbelievable privilege of celebrating baptism with one of our families. And so I'm excited to invite Libby and Ben Powers to come forward with little Robbie, Robert Quincy Powers. But while you're coming forward, I want to just welcome uh, Carrie and Brad Powers, grandparents, and Marsha and Jess Simmons, who are grandparents. And we've got brothers and sisters, we've got brothers, that's right, Johnny and Sam, and then the godparents, Grace and Felix Ayub. And you all get to come forward to stand with this family as well. We're so excited that you're here. Let's welcome all the friends and family members who are here. A reminder of the meaning of baptism. Over here is regular, ordinary water. But what happens at baptism is we believe in faith that God is present in a way that's special and that a real thing is happening here. And this child is being sealed into a covenant between all of us and this family and the Almighty God who made this child happen. And we're going to promise to love this family and love each other well so that at some point this little fellow will grow up in addition to playing basketball and hitting golf balls, both pretty well by his dad, right? He'll say, I want to be a follower of Jesus. And he will choose to do that. And we're pledging to help this family, as with anyone else we know, make that decision for themselves when, they, when this person, when this little fellow Robbie comes of age. So renew your vow to choose to follow Jesus Christ, even as we assist this family as they do that on behalf of this little boy. Mm. 
So Libby, and there you are, Ben. I'm going to come over here. <laughs> I was like, where'd he go? <laughs> As you present little Robbie for baptism this morning, I want to ask you, is Jesus your Lord and Savior? And if so, say he is. He is. Will you promise to teach little Robbie about Jesus? Will you pray for him, read scripture to him, pray with him, and show him what it means to be a follower of Jesus? And if so, say we will with God's help. As Fitz said, all of you are like godparents to him. You are. And that's why I want to ask you, will you come alongside the Powers family and help nurture faith in Robbie's heart so that one day Robbie will be able to say for himself, Jesus is my Lord and Savior. If so, say we will. will. You ready, little guy? Here we go. And Grace and Felix had a beautiful, beautiful little dish made for this baptism. So I'm going to scooch back here. Robert Quincy Powers, child of the covenant. I baptize you in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Oh, my goodness. Friends, look what God has done. Are we not celebrating the miracle of his heart, his life, and what the Lord has for him as he goes into God's future for him? So the Lord knew long before Robbie was born who he wants Robbie to be. And we get to be a part of that. So all that people say, amen. Amen. It's not fair. I didn't get to hold him. (laughs) Wait, I'm called an audible. You're going to love what I'm going to do to you guys now. I'm talking about money. (laughs) You just keep smiling and it'll come pouring out of their pockets. You know what I'm saying? I play. Unbelievable generosity out of this family of faith. Two ways that we see it. We have given back to God as we've pledged to make commitments to build this phenomenal new thing that's going on here. And also in the ordinary, everyday, week-in, week-out operations. You've been taking care of this church. And so, because, because leaders of the church, both paid and unpaid, are so grateful to be a part of this family of generosity. Thank you. And that's not, it's not up to me, but feel appreciated by the people who are, have the deep, deep responsibility for running the church. How am I doing? <laughs> and it's, it's the end of the year, and we'll start a new year, and, you know, we, have all the, we just have operational expenses. And so one of the ways I want to say to you is to, it's how grateful I am for being a part of this. <laughs> He's stealing the show, is he? I'm going to stop. There's ways to give. They're up here behind me. If you have something you want to give today, there's a box in the back, and you can do it that way. Let's just all say thank you to each other for taking care of this organization as well as serving God. Thank you. Get some stage presence. Please stand with us.
second of the day. Please let this church be a beacon to those who are searching for that amazing love and peace that only you can provide. Amen. Thank you, Adam. Okay, so I can't wait to get all of you outside this morning because Rachel Godin and all of our kids have planned a sing-along for us of Christmas songs. Now, did you hear the word sing-along? 
That's right. They're going to lead us in singing. They even have hand motions, and you and I are expected to do them, all right? So don't just be standing there, aren't they cute? They are expecting us to join them, to just explode in joy with them. Get all into the hand motions. Be a kid again. Be goofy. Nobody's going to be videotaping you, I promise. Nobody. But you know what this gives us? This gives us the chance to celebrate and thank God for his gift to us of our children. But not only our own children. We get to celebrate God's gift to us of the 175 foster care children that the Lord entrusted into our care with their foster angel wish lists on the tree that has been out there for weeks and weeks. 175 children who are going to wake up on Sunday or on Christmas morning just like your kids with joy and wonder knowing someone loved them enough to fulfill their wish list. Isn't that amazing? That's a miracle, and I cannot thank you all enough for it. Some of you may have heard me talk about one of them a couple of weeks ago. Her name is Emily. And most of the children on the foster angel tree, as you were looking through it, you probably noticed they were ages 1 to 12. But Emily is 16. 16 years old, and this is what was on Emily's wish list. She wanted some pants, a shirt, a pair of shoes, size seven and a half. She wanted a sketchbook, but on her wish list was also her wish for an urn for her mother's ashes and a necklace that says mom and Sabrina. Emily's wish list reveals the heartache, the grief, and the sorrow in her heart. This is a foster child whose family life unraveled and derailed in ways that we probably can't even imagine. This is a foster child who is longing for someone to love her that will never leave her, waiting for a future because she's about to age out in the foster care system, waiting for someone to come through for her this Christmas. It's no accident that Emily's wish list came to us during the season of Advent because Advent has always been about people waiting, waiting on God to come through, waiting for God to arrive on the scene. And we know that in Advent, the word itself means coming, arrival, which means that we wait for God to come through with a baby Messiah to be born, and we wait for his coming again in the second coming, which means that you and I wait with expectation that God is going to show up in our circumstances, and he is going to come through for us, and he is going to do what only God can do. But it works both ways. Because God says to us, as you wait on me for all those things, I'm also waiting here for you. Waiting for you to choose to step into all that I have promised for you. Are you waiting right now for God to show up in your circumstances? to come through for you in a situation that you're dealing with? Are you waiting on him? Because I want you to understand that it might be that God is actually the one doing the waiting on us today, waiting for you and waiting for me to choose to step into all that he has promised for us. It goes both ways. 
Well, Matthew, the gospel writer, begins his version of the Christmas story by listing name after name, one person after another who is waiting on God, waiting like us for God to show up, and God is waiting on each of them to choose to step into his promises and his purpose for them. And as he does that, we, we discovered that this is a very peculiar part of the Christmas story, a part that very few people read, frankly, because it's Jesus' genealogy. It's his family tree. And Matthew includes it in the Christmas story because he wants his Jewish audience to connect the birth of the coming Messiah, Jesus, to Abraham, the father of their faith. But Matthew also wants to connect you and me and anyone who will listen to these very real people that he names one by one by one because like us, they struggle to maintain their focus and trust in God's promises and their ability to wait on him. This genealogy begins with names that you might recognize and others you've probably never even heard of, all the way down to the finish line, to Joseph, the husband of Mary. I want you to do something for me because we're going to read every single name, everyone, and see you're rolling your eyes already. And you may find this a little difficult, but I want you to hang in there because I want you to imagine that every name that you're going to hear, that God was waiting on every single one of them to choose to step into his purposes to bring a savior into the world. And so we are going to begin hearing these names from Mitch, Leroy Mitchell, a beloved member of this church who's kind of staying tucked at home because of COVID. So you're going to hear him. He happens to be an actor, and he has a beautiful voice. Listen to Mitch now. This is a record of the ancestors of Jesus the Messiah, a descendant of David and of Abraham. Abraham was the father of Isaac. Isaac was the father of Jacob. Jacob was the father of Judah and his brothers. Judah was the father of Perez and Zerah, whose mother was Tamrah. Perez was the father of Hezron. Hezron, the father of Ram. Ram was the father of Amenadab. Amenadab was the father of Nashon, and Nashon, the father of Salmon. Salmon was the father of Boaz, whose mother was Rahab. And Boaz was the father of Obed, whose mother was Ruth. Obed was the father of Jesse, and Jesse, was the father of King David. David was the father of Solomon, whose mother was Bathsheba, the widow of Uriah. Now Solomon was the father of Rehoboam, and Rehoboam was the father of Abijah, and Abijah was the father of Asa. Asa was the father of Jehoshaphat, and Jehoshaphat was the father of Jehoram, and Jehoram was the father of Uzziah. Uzziah was the father of Jotham, Jotham the father of Asa, and Asa was the father of Hezekiah. Hezekiah was the father of Manasseh. And Manasseh was the father of Ammon. Ammon 
was the father of Josiah. And Josiah was the father of Jehochen and his brothers, born at the time of the exile to Babylon. But we're not done. This is we're not done. And so I've invited my precious friend, Charlotte Godin, to finish the reading of this genealogy. After the Babylonian exile, Jehoiakim was the father of Shealtiel. Shealtiel was the father of Zerubbabel. Zerubbabel was the father of Abiud. Abiud was the father of Eliakim. Eliakim was the father of Azor. Azor was the father of Zadok. Zadok was the father of Akim. Akim was the father of Eliud. Eliud was the father of Eleazar. Eleazar was the father of Matan. Matan was the father of Jacob. Jacob was the father of Joseph, the husband of Mary. Mary gave birth to Jesus, who is called the Messiah. There you go, sister. <laughs> Thank you so much. I know for a fact all of you want to say Zerubbabel. <laughs> right? I'm going to make you say it because you just made all of them say it. Zerubbabel. Whoever that is. But you know what I want you to understand? I know that was painful for you. But I want you to understand that every single name you heard matters in the Christmas story. And I rarely thank God for each of those men and women whose names we just heard for the role they played in bringing our Savior into the world. No wonder Matthew includes them. Heroes like Abraham, people who messed up royally like King David, who had a man killed after he had an affair with the man's wife. People that people whisper about like Rahab, who was a prostitute. And people that endured great trauma like Tamar, who was raped. The richness of Mitch's voice in the sweetness of Charlotte's voice can't make any of this pretty. But we see the Holy Spirit at work in the low points and the high points of these people's lives, in the successes and in the failures as God brings about his plan. And we notice that Matthew isn't sugarcoating any of it. He's not hiding it. He's not shushing anybody's name. Ooh, don't say that one. No, not at the family gathering. No, on the contrary. Matthew is actually highlighting the saving power of Almighty God that in a story where so many people took wrong terms and blew things up, that God accomplished his purposes to bring a savior into the world. Joseph is the final name on this genealogy, this family tree that delivers the promise that God set in motion through Abraham generations before. And so when the angel messenger of God came to Joseph in a dream and said, Joseph, Mary's not lying. She's a virgin, and I want you to marry her, and I want you to take her to Bethlehem where she will have a baby, and there you will name the baby Jesus, for he will save the people from their sins. That's the moment that God was waiting on Joseph to choose to step into God's purposes for him. It was as if he was saying to Joseph, Joseph, I'm so glad you're here because it's time for Jesus to be born. And in every way, God is saying the same thing to you today.
In fact, he's saying the same thing to you right now, right this second. And what is it that he's wanting to say to you? The same thing he said to everyone in Jesus' family tree all the way to Joseph. Choose me. Choose to follow me. Choose to allow me to transform you from the inside out. Choose to go on the mission that I prepared for you long before you were born, just like little Robbie. Choose me. God was asking Joseph to surrender himself completely so that God could go to work on him, transforming Joseph. Because, friends, Joseph was so much more to God than a conduit, the transportation, to get Mary to Bethlehem. God would be going to work on Joseph, transforming him to raise Jesus. That is a picture of what it means to be a Jesus follower, to choose him, to choose to follow him, to choose to surrender to him so that he can transform you from the inside out, to choose to go on mission with him. But you never do it alone. Because when God invited Joseph to go on this mission to bring the baby Jesus, our Savior, into the world, he made a promise to Joseph. A promise that Joseph would need to lean into and trust in for the rest of his life. And here's the promise. It comes to us later on in Matthew in verses 23 and 24. All of this occurred to fulfill the Lord's message through his prophet. Look, the virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. God is with us. We started this genealogy with Abraham, and we end it with Emmanuel, God with us. And so God reminds us, I'm with you, I'm here, I'm waiting for you, and I am able. And we know that God is able because we know how this story turns out. We're going to celebrate it in April. It's Easter. It's the resurrection. That's who you're dealing with, a God who is here and who is able. But even as God says, I'm here, I'm with you, I'm waiting for you, somehow we get a lot more caught up with there. Well, God, I mean, this thing is coming in a few days, and I can hardly stand it. I feel anxious about it. I keep thinking about it. It's just, it's taking up my mind and my heart. I'm, I, I just can't help it. I'm, I'm so focused on that. Or, God, there's this thing that happened to me a few months ago or a few years ago, and it's back there. It's back there, God, and I'm stuck. I'm stuck back there. Well, that happened to me. I mean, I was doing life and enjoying it, and, but I began to realize that I was stuck back there in an old hurt, and I was allowing there and what had happened back there to influence here. And it was seeping into my heart in the now, in the present, making me anxious and worried and upset. And I'm, it just wasn't right. And I thank God that he never tires of reminding us that the miracle of Advent and the miracle of Christmas is that God is here in this moment and that freedom will come into your life, not when you get there and get past the thing that's out there that you just want to get over with, but freedom will come into your life when you realize that God Almighty the maker of heaven and earth is here in this moment. 
a moment you may not want to be in at all, a moment that may be very difficult and very overwhelming. But it's a moment that is as infused with purpose and meaning right now for you as it was for Joseph. Because think about Joseph. When the messenger angel came to him, he could have said, are you kidding me? I have enough going on. I've got a whole village of people talking about Mary, whispering about her. There's a potential death sentence on her life for being pregnant and not being married. And there's my reputation. There's a lot going on here, God. Catch me when things calm down, for heaven's sake. You see, the evil one would love to rob us of the miracle of the presence of God in this moment by making us wonder if God is going to come through in the moment ahead. And so the miracle is that he says, I'm here, right here, with you. I'm here, I'm with you, and I'm waiting, waiting for you to choose me, waiting for you to follow me, waiting for you to surrender to me so that I can transform you from the inside out, waiting for you to go on mission with me right now. Right now. Just like he said to Joseph. And you know who else discovered that? Julie and Jamie Atkinson. Julie and Jamie, we we prayed for Jamie just a few minutes ago because of the blood cancer that he has been navigating. And y'all, they're going through a lot. It's been years of chemotherapy and radiation and hospitalization and then back into the world and then, oops, no, back into quarantine because you got to get ready for this bone marrow transplant. And it's a lot. And yet, Julie and Jamie picked an angel off the foster angel tree. And when they did that, they had no idea of the impact it would have. They picked Emily. And when I talked about Emily a couple of weeks ago, very briefly, Karen Henderson, another member of this church, came to me and said, Can I connect with the family that took the angel? I'd like to help. So I put the three of them together. None of them have things just kind of smooth sailing in their life. Their lives are hectic. Their lives are overwhelming. It's a lot. But God was waiting on them with an assignment that would have an impact far beyond their imagination. So Karen has a friendship with Chuck Siegel, the owner of Siegel Funeral Homes, right here on Henderson Boulevard. And so she called him and explained that Emily's wish list included an urn for her mother's ashes. And Chuck stopped her mid-sentence because Karen was saying that between the Atkinsons and Karen and her family, they wanted to be able to buy the urn and, and make it very special. And he said, oh, no. I'm so thankful that you called me. I want Emily to come in here and pick from my catalog the most beautiful urn for her mother, and then we will inscribe it just like she wants it. And then Karen went on to talk about the necklace. He said, oh, we can do the necklace too. We can even do a fingerprint if, we, if she has that. We can, we can do so many things. I want to care for her, and this is my gift I want to come alongside all of you. This is my gift. And then he said, but who's Sabrina? And none of us knew, but we found out through Karen and Jamie and Julie that Sabrina is Emily's sister who had been separated from her and sent to a different foster home. So Emily, Emily has been separated from everyone she loves for a very long time. And the Lord was able to use Julie, Jamie, Karen, 
Chuck to fulfill the longing, a longing, in Emily's heart. And the Lord used Joseph to fulfill the longings of generations of people praying for a Savior. And you know what Joseph's name means? It means he will add. After generations of miracles in Jesus' family tree, of all those names you heard, God was ready to add more, add bringing the Messiah into the world. He will add. God was not finished yet. Friends, God wants to add into the kingdom even more if you would just choose. Choose him. Choose to follow him. Choose to surrender and let him transform you from the inside out. Choose to go on mission with him because you know what he's going to do. You know what he's going to add. He's going to add not only to your heart, but when you go on mission with him, he's going to add into the world the four things, the four gifts that we celebrate with these candles. Love, joy, Peace, hope, if you're waiting on him, he's waiting on you to choose, just like Joseph did. And then look what happens in your own heart and in the hearts of those that you're going to explode into their lives with the love, the joy, the peace, and the hope that only Jesus can give. Please pray with me. Heavenly Father, help us to choose you. Help us to choose to follow you. Help us to choose to allow you to transform us from the inside out. And like Joseph, Lord, help us to go on mission with you into your purposes and plans, into this moment. I'm so glad you're here because it's time to care for this person or this person. Oh, God, we trust you with our lives, and we thank you that you would choose us. We thank you that you're here waiting on us even as we wait on you. to do music and hand motions with all the children and shamelessly I'll remind you you get to buy a Christmas ornament with Meg's painting of First Pres downtown. <laughs>